The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Transformational Healing, with your host, Dr. Bonnie Morrow. There are a variety of techniques for hands-on healing that can help you move closer to your vision of good health. In our program, we discuss both the business and science of dealing with different aspects of the healthy community with specialists in various energy practices. Now, here is Dr. Bonnie Morrow. Hello, world. Welcome to Transformational Healing. We're so glad that you're here. And we'll spend an hour with us. I would like to give a shout out to uh, San Diego, California. And that is where our guest is today. She lives in Austin, but she's she's currently in San Diego. So uh, our guest is Rita Clooney, who's been a nurse for how long, Rita? A long time. <laughs> okay. A very long time. All righty. Uh, and you were the recipient of the 1994 Holistic Nurse of the Year, were you not? Yes, I was. All right. That's exciting. And you've been a Healing Touch practitioner since? 1994. Oh, wow. So you've got a lot of experience under your belt. Yes, I do. Uh, and you have... Focused in on babies, have you not? Yes, that's my um, traditional nursing practice is in the neonatal intensive care. So when I started to learn, they were my, you know, they were part of my nursing practice and it was just easy to be able to um, work on them. So, yes, I have a lot of experience with them. So tell us about, tell us about your, your baby work. Well, um, you know, initially when I first started learning Healing Touch, I noticed there was quite a big difference in babies' energy fields and the sense that they're going through such a rapid cell production and growth process that their energy cycle of reproduction in all parts of their system and growth and development lent themselves to having an energy field that had quite a palpable surge you know, that their energy fields were larger and they were also more apt to change because they didn't have um, enough time on this earth to create what we call energy patterns. And um, what I found was is that everybody who goes through the process of birth has some kind of energy adjustment to recover from because that's human nature and sometimes the birthing process itself can be traumatic depending on whether the mom has a, a medical condition or how labor and delivery is going. And what I discovered was is that the earlier the intervention that they had, the faster that their recovery could be. And that would be even with babies that were having more acute issues that involved more intensive care. 
Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Kathy Moreland on the the radio show, and she was talking about fetal alcohol syndrome. syndrome. Yes. Um, do you encounter that at all? Luckily, very rarely. Um, I'd say more um, it has to do with street drugs, you know, that babies are withdrawing from. And, um, you know, what I've noticed is, is that they have a heightened sensitivity to the presence of people, almost like maybe that they have holes in their energy field that make them feel more susceptible and they're more apt to go into a heightened state of irritability, kind of like going from zero to 60 in five seconds. And... um Sometimes, you know, treading lightly on their energy and allowing an energy treatment to be more gradual because they're that sensitive. So, you know, so not so much alcohol, which is great, but drug, the other drugs like um, methadone, heroin, um, sometimes also moms are on prescriptive drugs for different, you know, pains and stuff like that. So they'll be withdrawing from that too. So. That's more prevalent, at least where I've been, you know, in my practice. That, that to me, is sad, but thank God we've got you out there to help them transition through it. Yeah, it is sad, too, because, you know, the thing is, and this is one of the things that I teach is, is that, you know, babies, when they're first born, they do not have the neurological capacity to be able to... Um, calm themselves down, and so what happens is, is that they learn that from an outside source, and that outside source is usually their mom, and if their mom doesn't have it, then what happens is, is that they adapt themselves to what the mom state is, which is less than ideal, you know, in that particular case, and so what I like to do in other cases, you know, beyond the drug thing, because sometimes those moms aren't quite yet ready to take responsibility for their own state. But, you know, in other cases, you know, what I like to emphasize when I'm working with the babies is just really educating the mom that what's important is is that they do, like, breathing exercises and they do self-calming so that they can take care of their own state and then the baby just responds to that as opposed to, quote, trying to quiet down a baby. You know, and that's, that's interesting. Important. Yeah, it really is because babies are so sensitive and they don't have boundaries yet. So they're very easy to overstimulate and their mom and number one and their dad number two are the barometers for their safety. So they're very keyed into their mom's energy state and how they respond and you know, sometimes what happens is, in essence, for all of us, we're born into, with a kind of a blank slate in a way, and when we go through our early days, things happen, and if they don't get resolved, then um, they create little subconscious woundings, and often, if those woundings haven't been resolved in your own life, the cry of a baby can start to stir those things up and make you feel uncomfortable when a baby cries. What a baby needs is a neutral person that provides them with a container that can accept their pain and soothe them, which is really different from trying to make a baby stop crying. 
explain you some more to me about that one, will you? Yeah. So, uh, when a, if a, if a mom or a caretaker or a nurse, whoever, has had history of some kind of birth trauma, sometimes it's uncomfortable for them to hear that crying. It's all happening on a subconscious level. I mean, I've experienced that myself until I was able to clear out some of my own history, you know, and now it's just easier for me to be able to hear a baby cry, provide them with clean compassion rather than quieting a baby down to meet my own needs of having to have that baby be quiet because I don't like the crying. There's a difference. Okay. You know, and Janet taught me that too in a class because since I was her student, I was working with babies. You know, I told her that it didn't, Helen Touch didn't work with crying babies. And she said, What were you thinking when you were doing it? And I said, I wanted them to stop crying. She goes, Bingo. <laughs> you know, oh. and I realized, you know, part of it was. This wasn't my only baby I was taking care of. I had two other babies. I had to move on. But what I learned was that if I really stayed in alignment and stayed grounded and allowed that baby to cry and I gave them a soothing background, they fed off of my own calm. And, like, you, you know, you could use the term entrainment, which is, you know, people matching your energy, which is kind of what they do when you're doing healing touch anyway. So in some ways, it's doing quiet healing touch just by being calm. Uh-huh. Janet was quite intuitive. Are you intuitive? Oh, Rita? yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, they can't tell me what's going on with them, but, um, you know, one of the things I've learned is from the principles of pre and perinatal psychology, they've shown research that babies really are much more sophisticated and aware than anybody has thought possible. And even though the research is 30 years old, it's still not mainstream information. And I would say that a key factor for meeting babies' needs would be seeing their life from their point of view, because they're very perceptive and they get things, but they're point of view is also a little bit limited. You know, like for instance, they don't know that their parents are leaving them in the hospital because they're too small. They just know that their parents are gone. And you think indeed they they do know that? Oh, yes. They do know that. There's um, the the co-founders of APA, which is the Association of Pre- and Perinatal Psychology and Health, have done research, and um, to the two co-founders, um, David Chamberlain and Thomas Verney, are a psychologist and psychiatrist, respectively, that use hypnosis as their means of treatment, and what they both found was is that most psychological issues were seated during the pre- and perinatal phase of the, um, of the, the, the person's life. And that once they were able to recall a certain traumatic event, whether it was physical or emotional, you know, i.e. like an unwanted pregnancy, once they were able to shed light on that, their life could change, you know. Like Janet did a a session one time in an upper level where she was demonstrating doing healing um, while um, 
she was interviewing the person, and she was working on a man who was in his early 50s, and he was complaining about neck pain that he had had for his whole life. And she started to trace him back in the history of his, you know, he said he injured it, and she went back in his life, and he was, you know, he had had car accidents, bike accidents, football accidents, falling off a fence when he was a kid, falling off his tricycle. Well, his initial traumatic event was being born with a cord around his neck. And I was sitting there as an assistant at the time, and I just had this major epiphany that thought, you know, if somebody had worked on him shortly after his birth, he wouldn't have had to carry that pain pattern into the rest of his life because it became a chronic pattern. You know, patterns are always easier to heal when they're acute. So I just figured, you know, there's really a space for this kind of work, working on little beings so that their energy system can be healed and more resistant. And I think it would save healthcare millions of dollars. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, Rita, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about your book. Okay, thank you. Thank- uh-huh. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Welcome back. This is Dr. Bonnie with uh, Rita Clooney today. And I'm glad you're here. So, Rita, can you have written a book? I have. Can, can you tell us about it? What's the name of it? It's called Your Baby Remembers Parenting with a Deep Heart from the Start. And initially, it was um, part of a project I had had in, um, I got a master's degree in um, theology 
And my, you know, it was just like with all the work that I had done and also, you know, I'd referred to the co-founders who had also done some research where they hypnotized um, young adults, you know, late teens, early 20s, and um, took them back to their birth and they remembered a lot of amazing things. And then they hypnotized their moms same, you know, parent-child, and the moms really confirmed the details that the baby was perceiving. And the thing that was really interesting about the feedback that these children gave was, they, first of all, they were almost like totally clairvoyant and very perceptive of people's energies. Like, they would notice if a nurse didn't like, you know, was didn't like their job and if they were just withdrawn or they knew that there, you know, back then it was, um, there were no ultrasounds. And so, um, they knew if their parents were disappointed in their gender, they knew if they were wanted or not. They knew if their, um, their father was absent or not. They knew, you know, they, they were perceptive to what comments were being made about them when people saw them initially. And, um, when, you know, and I'm working in this field and I just thought, wow, it's just so important to just be authentic and gentle and kind to them because I can't begin to tell you how many times I've heard people say, you know, this baby is has this or this baby has a face only a mother can love. And, you know, they say it in jest, but the baby doesn't know humor at this point in time and the nuances that that means and they what they hear is what goes in their memory bank. And so um, I wrote this book. Initially, it was a journal, and I turned it into um, a guide to me that's like an ultimate spiritual childbirth preparation guide for moms, new moms, recent moms. And what I did was is I wrote about research that these people have done, and it's cutting-edge research, and took out all the big words. It's an eight, an eight year old can read it and get it. And it's about the story of our beginnings, the story of a baby's beginnings, what they know, what they perceive, and how we can help to keep them whole by doing a series of exercises like talking to them and filling them in on what maybe they don't see on their own so that it can be recorded as a part of their memory. And um, the other thing I introduced was uh, an ancient um, prayer practice called the Remembrance. And the reason it's called the Remembrance is to help people remember who they really are in that spiritual focus and use it as a form of prenatal bonding for the mom so that they can sit in silence and imagine that their heart is surrounding their uterus and that they send love to their baby while the baby's in utero and not only that, but talk to their baby and they invite communication back. And this is based on, again, research that was done in Hungary. They had a holistic obstetrician who in his career over the turn of the century helped 1,200 babies come into the world 
And what he did was is he had nightly, not nightly, weekly sessions with moms where they would come in to de-stress, they would bless their uterus, and he would help them set up a form of bonding where there was free-flowing communication back and forth between the mom and the baby and help that mother develop a sense of intuition of how her baby was feeling, if that baby was in distress. And so what he was doing, he was preparing them for the birthing process, and his philosophy was that they were a three-person team, that, you know, now it's like the OBs kind of take over and they're doing birth, and the mother's almost like a passive object, but with him, they were an active three-person team. And the thing that was remarkable about his practice was is that out of 1,200 births, he had three premature babies, three C-sections, and none of the mothers had postpartum depression. And as he saw these children grow up, he saw a marked sense of groundedness and autonomy in these children, that they were, that they had great self-esteem that they had a great relationship with their mom. And so I put in this, it's similar to that, but it has um, my version of what I think is great because I learned the remembrance when I was in school. And it just has really helped me tremendously put things in context as opposed to being in a reactive mode, being in a responsive mode, and being able to deal with the challenges of the outside world. And so I have that practice spelled out in my book and how the state of the heart really can affect mostly you, you know, and it's, again, it's like breathing. It's putting the oxygen on yourself first, helping to prepare your own physiology for the rigors of the transition of motherhood. And, um, you know, it's available on Amazon.com, and I have to say that Everybody I know who's read it, who's a mom, has said it's changed their life. So uh, tell us again uh, what the name of the book is that we would look for on Amazon. Your Baby Remembers. You can just put that in. And you can download it on a reader, too. Great. Great, great, great. I'm excited. So listeners... If you want to get her book, you know how to do that. Go on Amazon to The Baby Remembers. Your Baby Remembers. Sorry, Your Baby Remembers. Yeah, so, it's a uh, great shower gift. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be? Yes. Yeah. So please tell us about fetal origins and how the first nine months affects our health and IQ for the rest of our lives. Well, I think that that boils down to the challenge of self-care in the 21st century because most women don't self-care, at least intentionally. You know, I think that most women are trained to leave themselves to last and usually the time doesn't come for them to de-stress. And I think that chronic stress that doesn't get to um, shut itself off can lend itself to the baby um, learning patterns of stress and having that same kind of um, physiology that the mom carries and so that they come out in a heightened state as well. And so what a mom can do is make sure that they take time, whatever 
that is, whether it's taking a walk, taking a bath, breathing, you know, sitting back, simplifying their life during their pregnancy, and making that kind of investment, not for the, just for themselves, but also for their baby. You know, I think doing the remembrance and prenatal bonding is also medicine for them because if it hadn't been, there probably would have been more incidents of postpartum depression that that Hungarian doctor had, um, you know, that the women took advantage of their baby. Their baby is medicine for them. You know, when I'm working in the NICU, I tell these moms that are trying to recover from their birth in the first place that the number one thing that you can do to reduce your stress is just be in the here and now and connect with your baby, no matter how small they are. They're medicine for that mom. That connection is medicine. So I'd like to encourage these moms that are pregnant because they say, you know, they kind of run the race where they're crossing the finish line, which is labor. But what happens is is that they're so stressed that sometimes that labor doesn't go so well because they don't know how to relax. So that's another preparatory thing that I think that the mom can do because I think birth complications would probably lessen if they were able to be more, um, you know, grounded in their own space and able to be with what's happening in their body as opposed to going into a fear response that tightens everything up. Right. And labor down. So, Rita, what about the, the woman who is pregnant and doesn't want to be? Yeah, that's really rough. Um, you know, because my mom was pregnant with me. She didn't want me, and I remembered this because after I was reading all this stuff, I just really wanted to know what was going on with myself. And, um, you know, what it led to was a heart-to-heart talk with my mom where she told me why she didn't want to be pregnant. What wasn't that she didn't want to be pregnant with me. It was more the situation I was being born into which wasn't very calm. And that meant a lot to me because it it made me realize she was really rejecting the situation as opposed to me personally. Oh, yes. What, What a mom, I think, can do to just give their baby the best shot at better mental health would be to talk to them personally and say, I'm really sorry, this is really a hard situation for me to be in, and you deserve better. And, um, you know, they just be honest and authentic because that's what babies understand is Uh honesty and authenticity and nothing else at that point in time, really. What about um, uh, kids that are adopted, babies? I think that what I've learned from people who are adopted that have been in the pre and perinatal psychology courses that what they have wanted from their parents but not gotten is us again honesty and authenticity because the truth is is that when a baby's given up for their mom that hurts that hurts them energetically they're pulled away from their mom whereas that they've had this cohesive coherent field protecting them 
and then all of a sudden it's torn open by the absence of their mom. Often things aren't explained to them why the mom is giving them up or the mom herself doesn't explain it. And there's real grief there. There's real sadness there. And what um, the adoptive parents do is overcompensate for that tragedy by saying, oh, you know, you have these great parents. We chose you and you're special. And so what happens is, is it doesn't give them the opportunity to grieve. And from some of the speakers that have been adopted, they said that they felt really isolated and alone because they came to the conclusion that they weren't supposed to have these feelings and nobody understood them anyway, so they withdrew. Uh-huh. They just held their pain in their own space and had this silent misery and just kind of performed for their folks, you know. But I think acknowledging that that is happening for them and telling the baby that they're sorry that they're in pain really opens up the door for that baby to trust the adoptive parents because they're being honest with them. Uh-huh. They're, they're not trying to sugarcoat it. They're not trying to cover it up. They're calling a spade a spade and then telling the baby that, you know, whatever they need, they'll try to help them through it, that they're there for them. Good. Even though they're hurting, you know? Yeah. I, I wished I had had that when I adopted mine. You know, I wished I'd had that piece of information. You were adopted? <laughs> not me, but my kids are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most people that take my workshop are older, and everybody always comments at the end of the workshop that they wish they had known what I said when they were having children. So that's why I wrote the book. Good, good. I like your idea of giving it as a shower gift. That's great. Yeah, most moms don't have time to read after the baby's born. And, and But honestly, you know, I, there's no filler in the book. You can read it in a couple hours. And it's just jam-packed with information that will really help that mom be able to navigate with um, their baby in a very different way and a very wholesome way. Yes. Rita, let's take a quick break. Okay. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about healing touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at transformational-healing.org. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss 
Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Hi, this is Dr. Bonnie. Welcome back. I'm so glad you had a minute to... um, Fill up your coffee cup or your tea cup or whatever. Okay, today we're talking with Rita Clooney, who is a Healing Touch instructor, and she has been for several years. And she her focus is babies. So, Rita, can you discuss how prenatal bonding creates transformation and plants the seeds of parenting? Yes, I think that, again, you know, I think that physiologically that the, um, that the love connection and the oxytocin, the hormone that is the love hormone that has optimum levels during pregnancy, that allows that mom to set up the circuits of um, that kind of parenting and also starting to treat that baby as an ind- individual while they're in utero and treating them as a conscious sentient being. And um, the one thing that I think that they need to know is is that babies have a sense of what's going on around them in their environment. I myself remembered being able to see through um, in utero in the room into the room at one point in time when we were in the delivery room. I know that sounds really wild, and maybe I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't had the experience myself, but I did. And I think that. The mom and dad can really provide context for the baby, especially like in times where things may not be so easy. Um, the, the inevitability sometimes of conflict or argument that happens between a couple, you know, the baby being reminded that they're safe and that sometimes parents argue, but it's not about them and that they're safe and that they're loved. I think that that's a very primary thing that they can do to help that baby understand that that really they're so egocentric they they think the whole world is about them but they need a reminder to know that it isn't and that they don't have to internalize that or take it on. I once had a um, video on my website that kind of disappeared. It was from YouTube and it was a a picture of an ultrasound happening while an Italian couple was arguing. And so, you know, Italians are quite emotional and expressive. And so there was that heightened communication. And you could see the baby jumping in utero whenever there was a a burst of, you know, loud voices or arguments or door shutting or something like that. And I think that that kind of energy can be diffused and not internalized by the baby if the mother and father give them 
that play-by-play description of this isn't about you. Uh-huh. And um, once the um, baby is born, to continue to do that and to continue to put themselves in that baby's, I always say instead of their baby's shoes, into that baby's blanket and say, well, if this was happening to you, what conclusion would you come to? For you know, like for instance, two twins are born and they're premature. One baby goes home, and sometimes the other one notices that there's this big hole missing. Because whereas before the parents would be visiting every day, now they have a baby at home, and there's a hole there. So you know, telling that baby that their brother or sister went home, and the only thing that's keeping them back is just that they need to grow or. They need to continue to learn how to eat and be strong. And I've had a couple of instances like that where I've talked to the baby about that while I'm doing some healing touch on them, and it really helps. Good. I can see the difference in them and how they respond. So I think that when parents do that same kind of thing, it can really save them a lot of internal busyness or, you know, kind of being absorbed into some pattern that's not necessary and just really helping them to stay present in life and have the resilience and innocence that they deserve in that period of time in their life. And when the parents can take care of themselves in that way of, you know, taking a breath, everybody thinks that they have to sit down and meditate for 15 minutes that they don't have. But the truth is, is that sometimes just taking 10 deep breaths on your feet can really help you shift back into uh, an energy state that's cleaner, you know, that sometimes we get lost in all of the doingness of our life. We lose our patience and then we have to kind of come back to ourselves and develop that resilience as opposed to reactivity. And what's also true is that sometimes babies will bring up parents' patterns and really trigger them. And parents get triggered. You could see that in supermarkets. You could see that in the doctor's office. You could see that everywhere. And if a parent can understand that, if they take care of themselves first, again, putting the oxygen on themselves first, they'll realize that that reaction has nothing to do with the baby and what to do with their own history. Uh-huh. So that they can let the baby have their own, and I'm not saying that children don't need to be disciplined, but I'm saying that the discipline can happen in a more subject, in an objective way as opposed to an emotionally charged way where there won't be resistance from the child, you know. Right. Like, uh, for, a friend of mine was telling me that when their two-year-old started to have tantrums, you know, rather than trying to yell him out of it, which heightened his own emotional state, you know, what the dad would do is he would pick up his little boy and just hold him really tight and contain him and tell him how much he loved him. And then the tantrums eventually stopped. He would just melt and start to cry. And that was what the tantrum was anyway, was a call for love. Uh-huh. You know, so are, trying to punish his parents. Are all tantrums uh, a need for love? I think so. 
you know, some some there's some need that's not being met in that child, and they're they're asking for help of some okay. kind. Okay. What about multiple births, Rita? You know, the four and, or five. Yeah, that's tricky. I mean, the, they always have caretakers. I think that um, the, the positive side of that is is that these babies have friends for life. You know, because the babies that are in utero have that special bond. They spend so much time with each other that they're aware of each other energetically, not verbally, intuitively. And I think that sometimes the downside is is that, you know, the parents only have so much to give. And so sometimes there could be maybe some rivalry or feeling that um, there isn't enough time for them. But again... I think if the mother and dad explain to them what their situation is and that they're doing the best they can, that that'll help to diffuse the situation. Because I think, I mean, I remember back in my life, just my parents running, you know, they there were five of us. I was the middle of five. I didn't know, you know, I just came to my own conclusions being my egocentric self. You know, sometimes I think if parents just turned around and said, you know, I'm doing the best I can and I really love you, that that children don't, don't need much to come back to center. They're really simple in that way. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. That is good to know. Um, I have a client who has uh, several had several babies, and two of them were quite. I'm going to say okay, and one of them has uh, brain tumors. How does that affect the grouping? Well, I think it can affect it a lot of ways. I think that you know everybody feels bad for the child with the tumors. Then the healthy children feel neglected and can feel anger towards the child with the tumors, and then they feel bad that they feel bad towards their sibling. And I think that there's a lot of guilt that goes around. I think one of the things that um, people need to remember is guilt and worry are non-productive, and that spending your energy down those roads is kind of useless. And I know that sounds simple, and it is simple, it may not necessarily be easy because you have to stay present to yourself and where your own thoughts are going. But I think that, um, again, a sit down with the other children to find out what they might need and want and what they would like from their parents acknowledges them as individuals to see, you know, are you feeling neglected? Because maybe they don't. Uh-huh. And if they do, it helps them to take responsibility for asking for what they need. Good. Instead of having their parents guess. Yeah. Yeah. And we do a lot of guessing, don't we? Yeah, we do. As as parents. Okay. um, We have a couple of more thoughts. Uh, I would like to talk about, before we go on, about your years at... um, Oh, up in in New York, where you went. Oh, um, Omega Institute for Holistic Studies? Yes. 
Yes, yes. I yes. loved working up there. Um, that was just so great, and it was when I first got certified, so it really um, it helped my skills so much working there full-time for six months out of the year, and the other thing that was really great about it was people came up to Omega to take workshops because they really recognized that they were that they needed help or uh-huh. they needed their life to change in some form or fashion or they needed their habits to change. Um, I really love the de- this one definition of stress that I came across and stress is just a signal that um, something needs to be changed. You know, whether it's a habit or lifestyle or, uh, you know, changing a belief system or thoughts or whatever. And so... What was great about that was people came up in the workshops, were mobilizing their energy field already, and then I would just go in and give a session, and I would say that those were the most transformative sessions that I ever gave to um, adults, and, um, you know, and again, there was family week, and I would give children sessions, too, and that was a lot of fun, and... um, you know, new couples, people that just were having chemotherapy, people suffering from depression, experiencing as if a box was, um, took the, somebody took the lid off the box they were in and they felt free and it was just over and over again. It was so satisfying. And some, some people even told me the year, the next year that I had worked on their jaw and they wound up being able to not have a root canal and, you know, just little miracles, one after the other. It was just too much fun. Very rewarding. Good. So that you were up there for seven years, did you seven say? Seven summers. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I appreciate you doing that. And I'm sure you grew in the process. Oh, absolutely. Because I think that, you know, a lot of times people think, you know, they take on other people's energy and you do have to learn energy management. But what I also saw was is that sometimes some somebody would come in with the same issue I was dealing with and it would help me to deal with it because I'd hear myself talking to myself. <laughs> right, right. You know Let's what take you know a quick I mean? break. Sorry, Rita, excuse me. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. Dr. Bonnie Morrow's passion is to make healing available in every home around the world. You can find out more about Healing Touch classes available wherever you are. Dr. Bonnie is here to share her knowledge and expertise in energy medicine as both a teacher and facilitator. To use Healing Touch for those you love, contact Healing Touch Texas for a class schedule. You can contact Dr. Bonnie via email at HealingTouchTX at AOL.com or visit the website at Transformational-Healing.org. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect 
and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Transformational Healing. To reach Dr. Bonnie Morrow or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to HealingTouchTX at AOL.com. Now, back to Transformational Healing. Welcome back. This is Dr. Bonnie with Rita Clooney today. And we're talking all about babies. So if you didn't hear the first part, you can go back and listen to the recorded version. But Rita, how does talking to your babies create high self-esteem? I think that what it does is it creates um, a space of the baby feeling considered. That. You know, also just like in a simple thing of changing their diaper, just saying, well, you know, we're going to change your diaper now. And that way they start to feel like they're in the loop of what's happening to them because they, their brains aren't jacked up with caffeine and they don't have this high pace in them yet necessarily. And their brains are fully active, yet it takes them a little bit more time to process something and so it gives them kind of like a segue into the next um, event so to speak you know we're going to do this and now we're going to do that and I think that that's also extra important in the medical world but um, I knew this guy who was a former preemie and he wound up being hypnotized and he told me that what he remembered was being in a box and that he was by himself, and that, that you know, yes, his mother would come in, but most of the times that people would come in and do things to him, and some of those things hurt him, and nobody really talked to him. And so, you know, if you can imagine, this is you, and being your point of view, you're lying in bed, and somebody, you're sleeping, and somebody picks up your foot and stabs your foot to get some blood out of it, how would that make you feel? Right. You know, so what I do is I wake the babies up and tell them what I'm going to do, tell them it's important for them to have it done, that I'm sorry it's going to hurt, and that I'm just going to be as gentle as I can, and I tell them right before I stick them, and then I give them, you know, I give them love afterwards, too. So they're included in on the process. They know what's going to happen. And I give a little moment. I don't just say it and then stick them. I give it a couple seconds for it to register in their mind. And I think that that's something that's really important that needs to happen around the the um, procedure of circumcision. I know that that's really a very inflammable subject in the world. You know, there's very pro and very con. And, you know, the purpose of me talking about this isn't whether I recommend it or not. It's more... What I recommend is changing the way it's done because the way it's done is babies get pulled out of bed, the boys are usually asleep, somebody undresses them, sticks a pacifier in their mouth with some sugar on it, t- t- um, straps their legs down, 
the doctor's talking to the nurse or to somebody else, and at most they'll say, I'm going to shop or sharpen your pencil, and the baby's screaming, and, you know, they give him anesthesia, and they say, oh, he won't feel this, and then the baby's still screaming, and maybe, you know, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they still do. And the doctor says they won't remember this. Well, that's not true. And I think that it really is um, a violation of their body space. You know, the, in um, you know Jewish religion, when they do circumcision, that's done in the sacred space. And I think that that really makes a difference, as opposed to whisking that baby or out and then. This baby has pain. They go into a fetal position. They don't eat very well afterwards. And a lot of times the moms run because they don't want to see it or they don't want to have to deal with it. Or they'll defer and say, I didn't want to have it done, but their dad did. Or, you know, they they make up, I mean, they have all these, I shouldn't say they make them up. They have all these reasons, which are valid. But at the same time, that baby needs to be connected to somebody because it's a surgical procedure. Right. And I think that healing touch is a great treatment because it helps that pain to um, go away faster, you know. And um, I think that they need to know that they're perfect just the way they are, are. Because I had surgery, too. Of course, it wasn't a circumcision. It was a mole on my wrist. And more often than not, when I was a baby, I remembered this in the hypnosis session, and more often than not, people would look at that and define it as a flaw. And so I came to the conclusion that there was something wrong with me, that I was flawed. Oh, dear. They had to cut something out of me, you know. And so I feel like in some ways that's a very similar thing. The reason doesn't matter. It's what the baby thinks. And so I think that if babies were informed and they gave them some time and the parents told them this was important for him and this is what they wanted to have done and that they were going to support them through their pain because it's going to hurt a little bit, they have to acknowledge the pain because it's going to hurt. Whether it hurts before, during, or after, it's going to hurt. Right. Because they, you know, and the... They just are supported through that process. You know, even saying, well, you were really brave through that. I'm so proud of you. You know, just telling them something. and Because I, I think that um, it creates a memory in them that they come, may come to different conclusions, you know, that they're not adequate and, you know, et cetera. I'm not really sure. And again... I'm not an expert in that because I'm not a boy, but I've seen some videos about men being circumcised. And, you know, also they've done studies and they've found that men that aren't circumcised experience more heightened sexual pleasure than boys who are circumcised. So, yeah, I'm going to leave that as that nugget there (laughs) for people to ponder because... People sometimes just go into automatic decisions because they think that's the way it is, but there can be another way, even if they just do decide to do the same thing. Right. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Rita, we only have about a minute left. Is there anything you want to tell our listeners? <laughs> or well, anything you want to reiterate? Coming up, 
I'm sorry. Um, one of them is in Wilmington. I have two workshops that I'm teaching. One is in Wilmington, Delaware, and the other one is in Boulder, Colorado. Wilmington is in September. Boulder is in November. And you can check how to register for the workshop on my website. It's um, HealingTouchForBabies.com. I have a Facebook page where I have great articles. It's also called Healing Touch for Babies. And I welcome any kind of communication because I think it's time to empower moms to give their babies the best start in life. All right. I really do. I agree with you. Rita, I'd like to thank you very much for being our guest today. <clears throat> Excuse me. I and your really your, your, your your gifts were very, very, very important and I appreciate your talk and I appreciate you. So Thanks so much, Bonnie. You're welcome. Take care. God bless, uh, listeners. Take care. Thank you for listening today. Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow is broadcast live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a healthy week. We'll be right back. 